Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yes, thanks for listening in to this edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We have McDowell and Price. I'm Myler. We got a lot of fun stuff to go over this week. We're going to hit the startup. We'll do a little rookie report that we've been teasing for a few weeks now talking about our favorite rookies and getting kind of in depth with them as we get closer and closer to draft season. we got a question of the week. Once again, going to debut a new segment called tools of the trade, where we highlight one of the tools from dynastyleaguefootball.com and, and show you guys how you can use that to better your knowledge and, and become better dynasty managers. Uh, we're also going to talk new rookie ADP, but before we do any of that, Fellas, we got to bring you guys in. Ryan, what's up? Yeah, it's been a little bit of a weird week with no no football, but we've we've had some football news. Of course, we'll get to some of that soon, and uh, yeah, it feels like we're finally, really, in the off season here. We we saw all those tweets over the, since the Super Bowl that it's all these weeks until the next Sunday oh, of yeah. football. I hate those. It's so depressing. Why would people put that in the universe? I don't like it. Matt, how about you, bud? How are you doing? I'm I'm doing well, Dan. It's, I feel like it's even though there's no football, I feel like I'm busier with football stuff than I was, you know, the last half of the season at least. Uh, setting yeah. up leagues today for dispersals. You know, waiting on stragglers to get paid and signed up so we can start dispersals in other leagues. Uh, all this rookie research we're starting to do. So. Uh, I didn't, you know, there was no football to watch today, but I spent most of the day doing fantasy football things. So uh, I'm ready for the playing season to start so I can just watch football on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We, we have no football, but we've got the combine in a week. We've got free agency in less than a month, right? I mean, yeah, things are, and things news are gonna trickling keep us in. Yes, news yeah. trickling in every day. We're, we're hearing stuff about potential re-signings, guys that could hit free agency that might get stopped from doing that. Uh, there's all this trade tra- chatter and trade buzz, and that's where we're going to start off this week's episode. The Startup. Oh, there are a bunch of different ways that we could go with the startup this week, Ryan. And we decided to to spend a little time on Deshaun Watson, something, you know, we haven't really talked about a lot in the last handful of weeks with the playoffs and and everybody out there winning dynasty championships, trying to wrap that up. Uh, Deshaun Watson, Ryan, has been on the on, on the back burner for a lot of dynasty managers. Yeah, it's really been that way all season, of course. Um it became pretty clear early on that that Watson was not going to play at all this year. Um, so it was just a matter of, of hanging on to them, uh, hanging on to him and, and waiting and see how this played out. And we still don't know exactly how it will play out, but um, you know, based on what I'm seeing and some of the reports, it seems more than likely that Watson will be on the field in 2022. Matt, I see you shaking your head. Are you kind of leaning that way too? Does it feel in your gut like Watson's going to be on an NFL football field in 2022? I mean, that's just how I've operated the entire time. I felt like 2021 was lost, even like from the first report of this news and felt like we were ready to go for 2022. Now, obviously nothing has been really settled with these civil cases. Um, but as correct me if I'm wrong, but as far as I know, we have, we don't have any criminal charges yet. So 
Uh, if we can get through these civil cases and I I feel like he's going to play, maybe he sits out some amount for like a slap on the wrist kind of thing uh, from the commissioner. But I feel like we're going to see him play in 2022. And if he's not, uh, you know, I think he's going to play at some point in this in in the I don't think he's done for his career. So I'm happy to proceed as if he is going to be playing uh, in the near future. So I was kind of on the other side of that. I, I had concerns that because there was no suspension this year, you know, it was just a healthy scratch situation and, and the Texans choosing really to, to keep him off the field, that a suspension could come and could be the entire year in 2022. And, and again, that's now not necessarily looking like it'll be the case. So if you thought he'd be back really all along, Matt, I mean, have you been buying him throughout the season or – it just feels like everybody in the dynasty community almost just somehow had this un, you know, this unspoken agreement. We're, we're just not doing anything with him. Right. Like I, I hardly saw him traded at all. Um, I didn't hear, I don't think I heard anybody come out as, as and suggesting he would be an aggressive buy or sell really. It, it's just kind of been a holding pattern for six months. Yeah. I've, I've tried to buy, but you know, I, I just think people are, are leery. I've, I've seen him moved a couple of times. I, I have to look at, I'd have to look it up, but he was moved in red list three, near close to the end of last season. Um, okay. I've been trying to buy for like that late first range. Um, but it seems like people just want to wait and see, like they're, they're afraid of, of, of cashing out at that point. Um, yeah. Well, I, if I you've held this long. Yeah. If you've held this long. Exactly. You've got to, you've got to wait. And, it out now. and you know, we haven't really had any, that it, it might change, but we haven't had any quarterbacks truly emerge. You know, we all have our favorites in this class, but we haven't seen, it's not like the Trevor Lawrence year of five standout quarterbacks. It's not right. like people have that late first uh, or that quarterback that's going to be available in that late first range that they're really excited about to anchor their team. So I think all of that stuff plays into it. There have been a couple trades recently in the trade finder, one straight up for Terry McLaurin in a super flex league. That's a pretty interesting one for sure. And then another Trey Lance for Deshaun Watson and Rondale Moore in a single quarterback league. Um, You know, more than anything, guys, I kind of wanted to talk about all these reports because it's, it's been a saga for going on a year now. And lately it's been picking up steam just a little bit here in the last handful of days. We've seen, Weekend, there was the weekend report from uh, from Mike Gennetti, uh calling trades of, of Deshaun Watson, Laramie Tunsil, and Brandon Cooks inevitable. So there are people out there that think it's it's going to happen for sure. There's also reports that the Buccaneers have done extensive work on Watson and that the Vikings and the Bucks are reportedly the preferred destinations of Watson himself. Lovey Smith said publicly that he wants a resolution as soon as possible. Uh, Jeff Howell from The Athletic reported just recently as well that the Texans don't intend to, to lessen their asking price, which has been five to seven assets, including <laughs> three first round picks for a guy who hasn't gotten off the bench, off the sideline in more than a year. So there's a lot of different angles to look at this. We, we first need to put the off the field stuff on the back burner. And I know you, you just talked about this just a little bit, guys, but for the moment, let's let's forget that stuff and talk about his current value as of right now, which has some of that off-the-field stuff baked in. Ryan, you mentioned that all dynasty managers kind of hit the freeze button, hit the pause button on Watson, yeah. and there's not a lot of movement. But he, he certainly has an, a value. He has an ADP, which is 121 overall. 
and quarterback 14 in single quarterback leagues. So where, where do we really stand as a dynasty community when it comes to Watson and his value? Well, I mean, it's, it's obviously the situation has impacted his value and, and missing an entire year impacted his value. But considering that, you know, we're towards the end of February here and we still don't know anything for certain, um, it kind of feels like he's maintained his value about as well as could be expected. Uh, quarterback 14, as you said, that's in our January uh, Dynasty ADP. We've got February in the works. It, it looks like it's going to be kind of in that same range, maybe a little bit higher. Uh, but, I mean, he's behind Fields and Trevor Lawrence. He's ahead of Stafford and Mac Jones and Tua. It, it kind of feels like that's pretty much where you would expect him to be. I think all three of us, when we did our quarterback tiers episode uh, a few weeks ago, had him kind of in that same range as well. I mean, the upside is is obviously there. If, if you know, the decision makers come out tomorrow and say there are no charges and all the civil is all the civil complaints are, are somehow gone. And, and this whole issue is just, is just wiped away. Um, you know, now he's going to be a top six or seven quarterback again immediately. Yeah. I kind of think that's, that's, that's where the risk reward uh, opportunity becomes pretty clear at that range. We you mentioned the one quarterback ADP over in the Superflex ADP from January. He's at quarterback 16, uh, the 39th pick overall. Um, so just behind two is Stafford, uh, Rogers and Wilson. I think that's where it really gets interesting. The people that are, can maybe acquire him, I think, are the ones that might be able to wanting to pay that you know, close closer to that QB twelve kind of range. Like to me, he's he's obviously behind Hertz and everybody above him. The rookies, uh, the popular rookies that we like from last year, and then all of the studs that we know. But once you get to those guys that are kind of, I don't know, you don't want to say aging out. You know, is Roger going to retire? Probably not. Wilson is he going to be back in Seattle? And then Stafford. You know, he's 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 great but he's, he's not a running quarterback, doesn't offer the same kind of upside as Watson does, whereas he's clearly ahead of that next year with Mac Jones and Tannehill and, and Carr and, the, and, the, and that ilk, I think. So I, I think the dynasty community is doing a really good job of valuing him appropriately right now, and the people that are going to be able to make a move to acquire him are the ones that are going to pay just a little bit more than that. I, I, I kind of disagree because of that. Matt, it really feels to me like maybe the dynasty community has sat on our laurels just a little bit and and wiped our hands clean a little bit of the whole situation, and that has pushed him down a little farther than he really should be. It it it's it sounds ridiculous to me that an an elite quarterback that's only twenty six years old won't ever return to that level once again. Get on the football field and actually return to that level. I know these are serious allegations and there's a lot of things that we need to consider, but even if there is another waiting period, let's say it is another year, if it's via suspension or, or the Texans can't trade them or, or there's, there's, you know, some kind of jail time or, or anything that could come of all this, he's still only 26 years old. And we've seen guys disappear for a time and come back and, and play at an elite level. I think of Michael Vick and he was much older. So, you know, there. I, I think a lot of us, especially in these super flex leagues, should be pouncing on this opportunity to grab Watson right now. Now, there because he's on the trade block as well, and we don't know where he's going to play. There, that kind of adds another element to this, and another thing that we need to decide on. There, there are a lot of potential landing spots for Watson, and we've seen so many 
uh, popular ones kind of floated out there in, on Twitter and other social media platforms. We see the Commanders and the Panthers, the Eagles, Dolphins, Colts, Broncos, Steelers, along with the Buccaneers and the Vikings. There's a lot of a lot of places to really like there, Matt. Uh, potential spots where the, he, he could make a big impact for that team, the weapons there, and then our dynasty teams. And I think almost all of those, immediately we say, wow, if he's playing immediately for this team, he's a top five dynasty quarterback. I, I completely agree with you. I just think it, especially in a super flex format, like pe- dynasty managers like comfort. And that that Rogers Wilson uh, Matt Stafford that's a that's a comfortable tier. You you can rely on those guys as a starter, and then a week to week starter. The guys below that range are you know like you'd like to have them as your as your quarterback three if possible in those situations. Now in one quarterback like you mentioned the the, the one twenty ADP the tenth round like that's an easy place to jump. Like if you haven't got a quarterback by the tenth round and Watson is still sitting there. Absolutely, in a one quarterback situation, but in superflex, I just it feels I feels like the community in general like wants to be in a comfortable spot with them, and uh, I just don't know how many are going to be willing to take the leap to to put them above that right now. So if you can get above that, that that's where you make the money, I think, in this situation. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in in both formats, according to our ADP, he's outside of that QB one range, and uh, I mean, the obvious conclusion there is if this is the second quarterback you're drafting in, in a single quarterback league, or even if it's the first guy and, first, you know, you yeah. can get, and you know, you can get a veteran later, you're still fine. The, the decision on whether to target him as in, in trade or in a startup is so much more difficult in a super flex league because uh, the cost is much higher. And um, you know, as a result, the the risk is much higher as well. So I think this is one of the clear situations where we see a, a vast value difference in single quarterback and and super flex. The the few conversations I've had when when trying to acquire him, like the, it's almost like the manager doesn't really want to even think about it. Like it makes his head hurt trying to wrap his round his head around. Do I trade this guy and not have a potential elite starter? Am I, am I getting too much? Like it's almost like a, a problem that they don't want to think about until. Yep until the decision is made, you know, I think that, I think that's exactly what we saw from the Texans too. Like that's honestly the same thing. They just didn't want to think about it. They'll say, you know, they say we want seven, you know, seven assets and three first rounders. Right. I mean, we've all had that situation where somebody comes and asks for that one player. We don't really want to trade. And usually it's because we really like that player. So yeah, I'll trade, I'll trade, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor, but I need, your entire next four drafts, right? Like you just, you just come up with that crazy asking price and it kind of feels like that's what the Texans have done because if all of this off the field stuff never happened, never came to light, whatever, the asking price would still be not, not crazy, but it would still be um, more than we typically see for, for these players getting moved. Don't, don't you think they should have thrown them in there? Like maybe we, 18 or something like at least a game to like remind everybody just how good he is we talk all the time about in the preseason how they audition players to to be traded like you've gone the entire year with him sitting we don't know how good he I mean we we assume he's still good he's still good right but if you remind other teams about what he can actually do on the field then like that seems like it would have went a long way to getting that higher asking cost but now we have still have the civil cases we don't know we haven't seen him for a year it just doesn't seem they're going to get that kind of price 
I mean, the problem we're, we're there getting... is it wasn't up to him, or it wasn't up to them to put him in the lineup. He he was essentially holding out, right, just showing up to work, but wasn't willing to play. I well, thought it was the getting... other way. I thought the team didn't want want to put him on the field. I think it probably went both ways. Yeah, but I mean, we're we're clearly not getting the whole story on on the possible trade because. I mean, if you're the Texans and you think he is guilty of this, then you're you're taking whatever you can get, right? I mean, right. you're taking a single first rounder from any team. And reportedly the Panthers were interested and the Eagles and Dolphins and whoever. So if you think he's guilty, you're taking anything. If you don't think he's guilty, then why are you sitting him out? You know, why aren't you supporting him and trying to get him on the field? Um it just, I don't know. It doesn't jive. Something doesn't make sense there. Well, poor franchises make poor decisions, yeah, that's right? that's it. That's it. <laughs> you know, I looked over ADP, and we, we probably got to move on, but this is a fun discussion. I was looking at Superflex ADP, and starting at about 19 through where he is at 39, I would say about 75% of those players I would trade for Deshaun Watson right now in, in the right situation. So – you know, and, and that ranges from from Jalen Hurts and and Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford at quarterback to just about every position player. Alvin Kamara, who's a handful of spots above him, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler. I would trade most of the receivers in that range for him right now. He's 26 years old. These guys don't grow on trees. We've been trying to collect these quarterbacks for years. And in super flex leagues, you need two of them. So it, it uh, seems like a it seems like a move you have to make if you're not competing. Like like Dan, like if you're a strong competitor, you're like a top three team or something, and somebody says, I'll I'll give you Watson for Rodgers and he's your quarterback two or maybe even your quarterback one, you're making that move right now. I think I am contender? because it that that's one of those moves that makes you a dynasty instead that's of just true. a contender that's, for 2022. Good point. Um, it, it's a fun conversation and one we're going to have for the rest of this offseason until we get a little bit of closure. Uh, there, there's so many unknowns at this point. I did see an interesting tweet. If the Texans don't trade him this year, he'll get $35 million to sit out in 2022. So that wow. changes things drastically. Huge cap hit, all those things. It's unlikely he can be traded before the 2020 or the 22 civil cases of sexual assault against him are settled in or out of court. There's that criminal investigation going on. We got to find out if there's charges. Still a likelihood that he could be suspended after all this is over. You know, it we may have just wasted 10 minutes talking about it because something's <laughs> going to change in the next 24 hours, 24 days, 24 months. Uh, but man, it's uh, it's an interesting paradox to be on, and we want to know what you think of Deshaun Watson. So tweet us at DLF Podcast. Let us know what you think of Watson, what you're doing. If you're doing a trade with Deshaun Watson, let us know because we want to hear about it. It's time for the rookie report. Oh, we've been teasing this one for quite a while, guys. It's the Rookie Report. We have turned the page officially to the 2022 Rookie Class. And that means digging in deep with all these players. Every single week, we're going to pick a player, highlight that player, go over that player's strengths and weaknesses together, the three of us. Um, So we're going to talk about potential landing spots, where we expect them to go in the draft, what kind of offense we want them to land in, what kind of quarterback situation for for wide receivers, what kind of 
what kind of wide receivers we want for these potential quarterbacks uh, and where they're going to be in, in both startup ADP and rookie ADP. And we, uh, Ryan, we've, We've been collecting rookie ADP already, and there was one guy that came out on top in five out of the ten rookie drafts that you just conducted. So we might as well start with him. Yeah, Traylon Burks. This was this was the guy who has seemingly somehow been locked in as the one hundred and one, uh, really all throughout this this early portion of the offseason, really since the uh, dynasty uh, title games ended. Um, and I'm kind of surprised, not, not because I don't like the player, but because uh, it just seems like this class uh, is so jumbled together. And um, I really, I really like Burks. I don't know that for me, he separated himself from uh, the rest of the class, especially before we know landing spots. So, but for right now, he's our 101, and it's uh, it's not quite consensus or unanimous, but it's pretty close. It's pretty darn close and, and, and a little bit surprising because so many of us for so long have said it's a it's really a wide open uh, field at every single position. But outside of Garrett Wilson getting a couple of number one overall spots in those rookie drafts, he seems to have separated himself just a little bit from the rest of the field. And there's so many things to like about him, Matt. Um, one thing that really jumps off to you is, is his potential after the catch. Yeah, I just his versatility is incredible. And the way they get them out there on on those little little screen passes, they have him run out of the ruts out of the backfield, getting his hand, the ball in his hands in space. Uh, and then using his strength and that frame and that stiff arm that he has and that he doesn't really have the, the burner speed, but he's got that buildup speed. Uh, he's just I just think if he get, lands in the right place, you know, think about the way that San Francisco uses Debo Samuel, um, you know, these other kind of like hybrid players. Not that he's necessarily a hybrid player, um, but that just lends to me uh, that he's going to be a, just a huge yards after the catch monster in, in this league if he lands in the right spot. Yeah, he's think, he's so big for a guy with yeah. that kind of quickness, right? He's got he's got uncharacteristic size, 6'3", 225 pounds. We're going to get those official measurements when the combine comes in just a couple of weeks here. But that kind of size to go with that ability to make people miss in the open field and then overpower people as well is something that just has dynasty managers salivating. Well, I think we look at that we look at that size that you guys are talking about and we think and we really do this every year with with wide receivers that are that big, right? Like he's the next Mike Evans. But he does he's not different. play like he's no. very different, very different. Um and what I love about about Burks is and this this almost is going to sound like a knock. Uh he's so big but he plays small, right? Like a lot of the best things about his game we typically see with smaller wide receivers, not only his speed, um, but I mean, fluidity and in, in routes and, and then Matt, you kind of hit on it a little bit with the Debo talk, his, this rushing line, right? 38 carries, 222 yards yeah. and a touchdown as a ball carrier. Um, we, we've said it before a copycat league. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of talk about my guy, Wondell Robinson being, you know, maybe he's the Debo guy. I think it's Traylon Burks that teams are looking at and thinking we can get him the ball in five different ways and he can make a play. And, and I disagree a little bit on the, he doesn't play 
he, he plays small. I mean, he has those small skills. Like the first thing I wrote in my notes, the very first thing after watching a handful of game games was big and fast enough to play outside, but quick and has enough burst to play inside. And he was using yeah, the slot and, receiver a lot. So yeah, right, you want to get him. In and I didn't, yeah, I didn't mean that he doesn't, you know, he, he takes advantage of his size. He still can go up and get the ball. That's um, you, you know, what we want to see. Right. That's what we want to see from, from those big guys, obviously take advantage of their size. But um, what I was trying to say is he can do a lot of things that most big wideouts can't do. He does a lot of those things. You mentioned that he can play inside and outside, Matt. He's, he's a guy that you want to give him those quick twitch opportunities on the underneath, but, but we shouldn't like pigeonhole him into that slot receiver category because of the size, because of the leaping ability, he can get over the top on defenses as well. So he mixes a little bit of that Debo with kind of a little bit of DK Metcalf. He, He has some of that, that down the field skill that we, we all crave as dynasty managers because the big play can make your week. He can win you weeks with this kind of uh, uh, monster down the field, big plays, but he adds a floor with that underneath precision as a route runner and and with great hands. Yeah. I think like in the, like his vertical game is maybe the best in the class. You know, I think some would argue that Drake London maybe qualifies in that point, but he positions his body so well to attack at the high point. Uh, and he tracks the ball well, like you mentioned too, like DK does. Uh, and he just seems so comfortable with the, if it, we can talk about his negatives later, but um, you know, I just think he's so comfortable with that defender, like right on top of him, right in that back pocket. And when he goes up for those contested catches, those 50, 50 balls, I mean, of the like eight to 10 games that I watched, he won 95% of those contested catches. So like you said, he's got the floor for all of the the slot work. He's got the upside uh, to win downfield and in contested catches. Uh, I just really like, I, I really like him a lot as a player. I love him. He's he's one of the top two receivers in the class for sure. I wonder, Ryan, and I'd love your opinion on this, with, with how Debo was used late in the regular season and throughout the postseason and the similarities between these guys and what uh, Burks did at Arkansas, is there any worry that he's going he's gonna to get a little bit of that at the pro level, kind of like Shanahan did with Debo? It took away from him as a receiver a little bit because he was getting those opportunities out of the backfield. As a fantasy manager, can we waste time thinking about that at this point in the game? I don't think we can. I mean, when he when he comes into Arkansas, he's, he's a four-star recruit, and there was question as to which side of the ball he was going to play on, right? Is, right. is he going to is he going to be a, a D-back or uh, or a wide receiver? And, and essentially, he was just so good as as a pass catcher that. Uh, that he stuck there. So um, I know you're not saying that he would, you know, transition to, to like a full-time running back role or anything like that. But um, I don't, I don't view those, those Debo Debo type touches as a bad thing. I know, I know Samuel ended up seeing fewer targets obviously as a result, but um, you know, the more you can get the ball in their hands, I, I think it's a good thing. Matt, you 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 spent so much time watching Burks over the last week or so in preparation for this. You got to give me the the lowdown on the rest of his game. Tell, tell spit out all the knowledge, bud. One, <laughs> uh, we were talking about Yak Monster to start it off, and can't can't you just see him, Dan, like being used as as Devontae Adams is used with Rodgers when it's just it's not even a route. He just stands there on the outside, and Rodgers throws it to him as soon as the ball is snapped. 
and then taken off from that direction. So, you know, like we talked about street speed, strength and stiff arm to be able to make those kinds of plays as well. I think one of his best qualities is his, is his hands. Like he clearly understands hand positioning, really lets the ball into his body and just like one of the lowest drop rates uh, in the game. Uh, you know, the foot frequency and route speed, like I, like I think it's nice to see him be able to vary that stuff, you know, uh, high football IQ. Like we, like we were saying, he was used all over the field primarily in the slot, but he did play all three positions there. He also, this is, I don't know how much this relates to fantasy, but I just think he's a smart uh, player in general. He made the Dean's list in 2020 with a 4.0 GPA. Um, so just, a just, just a very impressive, you know, we talk about how there's not very, the the quality of this draft is not that top heavy, not that and not that deep. But I really think, I mean, Ryan said he doesn't really see him separating from the rest of the class. But for the for the like dozen or so receivers that I've watched so far, I think he has separated. He's the tier one guy for me. And you know, if we want to go to statistical statistical breakdowns, he's got that breakout age at twenty point five. That's kind of borderline. We want to see under twenty point five in general. And he does have a career dominant rating of thirty eight thirty two percent. So it's over that thirty percent threshold. Uh, in terms of uh, he was first in yards per route run overall. He was first in yards per route run when lined up outside. Uh, he has a career yards per reception of sixteen point four, which would have ranked fifth in the NFL uh, last season behind just Debo, Jamar Chase, and then, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones and, and Brian Edwards. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, we can talk about the cons too, but I just, I think he's a, as, as close to a complete receiver uh, that we have in this class, uh, if you want to call him that. Well, let's talk about the cons because no, no player comes in fully polished. I, I know Jamar Chase is the, probably the guy <laughs> that I'll get screamed at about in uh, on Twitter uh, as people listen to this, but uh, there are some things that make you second guess a play or two from time to time, right, Matt? The the um, he, he rounds off a couple routes from time yep. to time. He he doesn't look fully uh, enamored with the play call from times to time time to time when the ball's not coming his way. Um, and he there are times when you expect him to dominate a corner on it, even a poorly passed or poorly thrown pass uh, because of a size uh, size disparity because he, he just towers over the guy and he just missed times every now and then he there's two or three of those plays in his final year at Arkansas where I said wow I really expected the highlight uh, you know on one play especially I can't remember who they were playing but he tried to make a one-handed catch when it wasn't necessary and he ended up dropping it and it was like it's like, man, that that's one of those things where he, he he tried to do too much or wants to be wants to be that big time playmaker, and it just it just made me think twice about maybe he's not all the way up to that top five overall uh, prospect in the NFL draft level. Maybe we need to slow down and 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 see where this lands before we get too excited about that upside which he's dripping with. I noticed the I noticed the one handed thing a couple times as well. Yeah, uh, Dan. And listen, as an elementary school PE teacher, okay, Burks, Burks is not alone in this, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, honestly, since since 2014 and Odell Beckham, every Odell it, kid, Odell it, <laughs> every kid. Yeah, since since Odell became a verb, every kid in in my school and probably every school that touches a football is trying to make that one handed catch. So, um, you know, it's, it's fun in practice or it's fun when you're throwing the ball around the gym or around the playground, but uh, we don't really want to see that against sec competition. 
Right. Odell does it when it's necessary and makes it look good. I, you know, that's that's really getting nitpicky, though, right, yeah, Matt? Exactly. We're, we're, we're looking for something here. Like that, that plus like when we say he's not a burner, like if you hear someone, I, I think I heard this on other podcasts, maybe the dynasty dummies, they said that if you hear that, if, if he's not a burner, it means you really don't have a whole lot of complaints yeah. about, about him in the NFL, you know, uh, for my negatives, like you said, he rounds off his routes sometimes, Dan, uh, especially noticeable on slants occasionally. Yep. So I don't think he's going to be the slant daddy. He's not going to be the next coming of, of Michael Thomas or whatever. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, I, th- I think my biggest concern, and this is not really his fault at all, I think it's just a product of how the offense used him, is that there, at least, again, from what I watched, the 10, 10-ish games that I watched from him, there's not a lot showing him, you know, using a lot of variety of techniques to release off the line. So, you know, in that slot, in that slot work, you get a lot of cleaner releases, so it's easier for him to get out there in space. So, uh, you know, that's something I think we need to see. Not that he can't do it because he's strong as, as, as an elephant, right? Um, and he's, and he's quick, like we've talked. So I'm not, I'm not sure he can't do it. I'm not saying he can't do it. It just, we haven't really seen a ton of it. And part of that is because of the defense that he was facing, right? They're scared of Traylon Burks when, when they're creating that game plan for that Saturday's ball game, they're saying we can't let Burks, Burks beat us over the top. So they're playing off coverage and they're given those underneath routes a little bit more than maybe he will see on Sundays. I, because of that strength. They say he's a workout warrior in, in the uh, in the gym and, and that he can bench everything he wants to bench and all those kind of things. I, I, I'm not too worried about the press when it comes to Burks at the next level. Are you are you guys worried at all um, that it doesn't look like he'll be the wide receiver one in the NFL draft? I mean, I know we've we've got quite a while until that takes place, but in most of the mocks I see, it's, it's either Drake London or Garrett Wilson. So, um, and, and certainly uh, Burks has has a shot at that, of course. But for him to be like like we talked about earlier, almost locked in at one hundred and one, he's he's not that Jamar Chase guy that's also locked in as as the wide receiver one in the class. But but yeah. but we have classes where Marquise Brown and Henry Ruggs was the one off number one off the board in the NFL draft, and they were not the one hundred and one in our rookie drafts. You know, so I'm I'm not as concerned about that. I guess. I and guess what's nice about, about Burks is he's not that kind of burner that doesn't profile yeah. as as a guy who could become the number one receiver for his team. I, I didn't know. I thought maybe that's where you were going with the question. Burks has the has the physicality, the size, the speed the route running, the hands, all those things to become the number one receiver for his NFL team. So if he gets married to the right offense that will use him properly with the right quarterback and has the draft capital, which I think we all believe is going to be in the first 20 picks of the NFL draft, uh, he he has everything that we want for him as a dynasty asset. Now, it's a little early, guys, to start talking about where do we want to see him play, Matt. But is there is there a specific offense, maybe a type of quarterback? Of course, we want an elite quarterback and all those things. Is there anything that we're, we should be looking for that we want Burks to be, to be associated with when he gets to playing on Sundays? For me, I wrote down that I think his best fit is a high-volume possession receiver uh, and, a, and, and or a yak weapon in a, in a West Coast offense. You know, like that kind of style where they can get it out quick to him uh, and give him a lot, of, a lot of volume. He had a bunch of games with over 10 targets 
uh, with double digit targets at, at Arkansas, you know, similar to that, that would be incredible for his value, obviously. Um, and then landing spots. I mean, I wrote down a bunch of teams, uh, the ones that came to yeah, mind so at the top, top. I mean, I, yeah, like, it, like I feel like almost every team could use him to be honest with you, but the ones that I, I kind of came up with as the top options, teams like the saints, the jets, the bears, the Browns, the Cardinals, even, um, even the Chiefs, if they want to keep looking for their third, their third option, right? The Colts, like there's just a, a litany of teams like that that need, uh, if not a wide receiver one, certainly a wide receiver two, and in some of those teams uh, need a wide receiver one after what's going to happen to them in free agency. The if team I the, really, oh, go ahead, Ryan. Sorry, sorry, I was just going to say if you look at the teams in the top half of the draft that are likely, uh, or or at least reasonably, could use a pick on a wide receiver at Atlanta at eight. Minnesota at 12, Cleveland at 13, and then Philly, I believe, has 15 and 16. Uh, so what you mentioned Cleveland as, as a landing spot you would be good with. He would, I mean, he's, he goes in there and he's the wide receiver one immediately. Oh, yeah. It's too I bad mean, you I, have an NFL caliber you, quarterback. Well, do you think? I mean, he's been comp to A.J. Brown. That's, that's yeah, exactly what that happened too. to A.J. Brown. Exactly what happened to A.J. Brown. It's true. Um, right. And people still the, liked Corey Davis at that point, but – the dark horse reality, team that I'd like to see him, the dark horse that I'd like to see him land with is the New York Giants. And I, I know you'll probably say that, oh, they spend the money on Galladay and, you know, they have other receivers already there. But I think about Brian Dable and what he did for Stephon Diggs. Can you imagine he, this? This guy is Stephon Diggs in a bigger package. And he can he can get over the top just like Diggs. He can get inside just like, just like Diggs when he needs to. He he's good at body positioning. He's got the killer instinct to go get the ball. If they pepper him with those kind of targets that Diggs gets both down the field and in the short to intermediate area, I I know we have questions about the quarterback and and the offensive line and all those things. They have the picks to to potentially make a move on Burks and. He could be a weapon immediately, immediately become the number one option with other options around him. So he wouldn't be forced to uh, always take on that number one corner or, or double coverage. I, I kind of like the Bills and, I, or excuse me, the, the, the Giants right. to try to take that same path as the Bills did because of the coaching staff and the front office. And, and Burks might fit that to some extent. Um. Before we get out of here, there were there was one other thing I wanted to talk about when it came to Burks. There, there are a few things that we want in a in a wide receiver. Always, we, we you have to be able to create a mismatch, right? He does that both with speed and with size, which isn't all that common. You also want a guy that can make big plays in big games. Uh, eight for one seventy nine and two touchdowns <laughs> against Alabama. Yeah, this is your guy. If you want a playmaker, uh, Traylon Burks is the guy you want to go with. Uh, before we go ahead, Ryan, I was just going to say, I had the same thing in my notes, three huge games this year, uh, opponent wise tore up Alabama, the best game of his career against them also went six for one sixty seven and one against A&M and Georgia, which was the best defense in the country. And, and one of the best defenses we've ever seen, they did shut him down three, three catches, 10 yards. I know we we struggle with comps sometimes, and people think that we say a name and he's going to be that player. But did you guys have have something? I, I have one. I didn't have one. No, no. I, I said. I guess I don't. I said. I said like a thicker, bigger version of Cooper Cup. I thought you were oh, going to okay. do that. I thought you were going to do the animal thing and like he's like a gazelle <laughs> I could, I with could an elephant that. body I could or something. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh, guys, we're running behind. We got to talk about our friends over at uh, over at Monkey Knife Fight Daily Fantasy Sports. For the rest of us, we're sponsored by the guys over at Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world. Instead of spending your time building elaborate salary cap rosters or competing against professional players, you can explore the unique, fun, easy to play games like more or less knockout kings. Eagle Eye, Goal Rush, or Touchdown Dance. Uh, play any of the major sports, NFL, NBA, NHL, and MLB, as well as UFC, NASCAR, golf, soccer, and various college sports without competing against all those sharks. Right now, you can open a new Monkey Knife Fight account, make an initial deposit, and get a full year of DV- DLF premium for free. On top of that, if you use the promo code DLF, Monkey Knife Fight will match the deposit 100%, doubling your initial funds. Simply log on to DynastyLeagueFootball.com, click the image from Monkey Knife Fight, and follow the instructions to get started today. Let's hear from the listeners. It's time for the question of the week. Yeah, the question of the week this week comes in from Kyle's Money over there on Twitter. Uh, This is a fun one. Strategy question. We can get all three of our opinions on this. It's broken down into three questions. I'll say them all, then we'll kind of break it down one by one. First, how do ideal leagues set up setups handle rookie drafts and the roster spots? Just a certain amount of time to get roster back down to legal size post rookie draft. Then, how are waiver handles waivers handled after the roster trimming that will send dozens of players to waivers? This is a great question, and we're a couple months away in most leagues from those rookie drafts. But something that we all think about all the time, Ryan, Matt. We're all commissioners. We run leagues with these drafts, and we we have to do trim down. So, first of all, Matt, how do you handle uh, handle rookie drafts as far as those roster spots? Because you got to drop somebody to pick somebody up. Yeah, I during I, most of my leagues are auctions, so I guess it's it's pr- it's pretty similar though in, in both formats for me. During auctions and drafts, I have un- I, I move the roster spots to unlimited. So if people want to make a million trades and acquire a million rookies or, you know, sometimes you have leagues that incorporate free agents and stuff into uh, the rookie drafts. Um, so I give everybody as much leeway as they want in, in terms of during the actual auction or draft. And then after that, you know, they have 24, 48 hours or whatever it is, um, you know, a short period of time to get back down to to legal size because you don't want to enable a player, a team to just like, you know, sit at the end of the auction with 50 bucks left and pick up $51 rookies that probably aren't going to make their roster anyway, right? So uh, unlimited during the actual rookie uh, draft and then quickly after that uh, back down to the off-season limit. The other side of this argument, Ryan, is probably if you're going to add somebody, you got to drop somebody. You got to make that space. That's how I handle my rules. And, and we'll get into how those players that are that are dropped are handled on the waiver wire. How do you prefer? If you're in so many leagues. You run so many leagues. What do you prefer if you're doing an actual draft and rookies are being drafted onto teams? Should you Should you make the space before you make the pick or do you like that wiggle room? Yeah, I would say, well, first of all, Kyle's question, how do ideal league setups handle this? I'm, I'm not sure that there is an ideal. It's, it's one point. of those things that can, you know, there's, there's three or four or five different ways to do it, and, and none of them are necessarily right or wrong. So it's, it's kind of what you and your league prefer and, and how active your league is. Um, when I was running leagues, I'm, I'm down to pretty much just auction leagues that I commission, but when I was running leagues that, uh, that included a rookie draft, I think I probably did it differently than most because I allowed drops during the draft 
but I did not increase roster sizes. So um, you had to you had to make a drop to make a pick, but then that player you dropped was immediately eligible to be drafted. You know, if you're hmm. dropping a free agent that maybe somebody else might have some interest in. Um, so that that made for some interesting decisions, certainly. And and almost every single year we saw a player who had gotten dropped earlier in the draft get picked in the third or fourth round. Um, that's probably not the way I would suggest doing it. Maybe you want to um, make the drops in advance, although that's kind of limiting when it comes to making trades and things. Uh, ultimately it's, it really is whatever works for you. I think the most common is probably expand rosters by a few and then have that cut down date. Like Matt said. Yeah. So the situation you were talking about there, Ryan, that was a rookie and veteran draft. So one of those leagues with one event in the off season that covers everything. And then you open up waivers later on that, that allows for those players that are dropped to get added to a roster. In my personal leagues, we have we have either an auction later on or a a waiver system after that rookie draft where those players that were dropped are available to be added. So everybody has a has an equal shot and usually that comes out of your allocated budget for the entire season. Matt, how do you handle that after those players are dropped during yours? And you already said that you ex- expand your rosters to make room for those rookies. When you drop those three or four or five veterans, how do you how do those guys get dispersed through free agency? I, I think I'm different than most. I, I I do not like waivers, so I do actually do not have any offseason waivers in my um, in any of the leagues that I commission. And I do like auctions, so uh, it creates an opportunity to have an auction. Sometimes I'll do it. I think in some leagues I do it twice per offseason. Uh, but most of them, we do one final free agent waiver wire auction, uh, you know, the week, a week or two weeks before the season starts. Uh, everybody will be using the same amount of money that they have uh, access to during the season. So if they have a thousand bucks and you spend it all in the free agent auction, then, uh, you know, you don't you have less or none for, for the for the regular season. So I don't do waivers at all in the offseason. I like to have an extra auction. Either way, I think we can all agree that everybody should have an opportunity, as equal of opportunity as possible, to acquire those players that are draft. Thanks for your question uh, at Kyle's Money. If you want to get your question answered right here on the air uh, on the DLF Dynasty podcast, just follow at DLF Podcast and send those questions our way. DLF Tools of the Trade. Brand new segment here on the DLF Dynasty podcast. It's the Tools of the Trade. And we want to talk about the Coaching History app, which provides a bunch of different ways of analyzing and visualizing the history of every coach and coordinator since 2000 in all facets of their team's offense. So really everything you ever wanted to know about the yearly or weekly player scoring performance, including fantasy points, Based on scoring system, uh, includes data, has tables, charts, graphs. Holy cow, there's a lot of data here. When we introduced this one a while back, guys, it it was almost too much to digest. Matt, you've played around with this app for sure. What's your favorite use of the Coaching History app? 
I like to look at the, uh, there's a section where you can look at run pass ratio over time for coaches. Uh, yeah. That's going to give you, yeah, it's going to give you two charts. One's going to give you a bar graph that shows the percentages, and then you're going to get a line graph that actually shows the run and pass per temp- attempts per game. Uh, if you want to really get down to a, a, a you know, a, a more granular level like that. So it's just fun to be able to look at a coach and see how they have changed. And then I, I'm not sure if the app, app does this, but I like to take uh, what I see on, on that app and then go look at the weapons that that team had uh, in those particular le- years and kind of match that up and see if these coaches are really using uh, the, the weapons that, that we think are, are really good in the ways that they should be used. So if you've got a strong running back, you would probably expect to see a coach uh, use their running backs more and have a higher run percentage and the, the vice versa with the passing game. Um, so that's just one of the many ways I, I, I use this app. Um, there's a couple of other other really good ways as well. Yeah, it's great that you mentioned the players because that's the fantasy finishes by position portion of the app, which will tell you exactly uh, how many how many where the wide receiver one for a specific coach finished, and then you can go find that player that specific player and see if that really correlates with what you're thinking about of that player at that time. Ryan, is there an example of how we can use this tool to improve our dynasty rosters or, or really improve our general knowledge of dynasty going into either a draft or, or an off-season auction or, or any other event, trades, whatever you might be doing? Matt, well, you both kind of said it there. There's just so much information on this app, on this tool, that it can kind of be overwhelming at first. And um, I will tell you, if this is the if you dig in after you listen to this, when you go to the app, there's a a choice at the top. It says app fil- filters. That's where you're actually choosing your coach. So it can be a little bit confusing at first trying to dis- trying to figure out uh, where do you actually uh, select that input. So app filters at the top. That's where you choose the coach. And, and for me, it's it's really just digging in and looking at some of the tendencies, like Matt said. And and I'm pretty I'm pretty simple. I just want to see the fantasy rank, that's the default. That's the the top option on the screen. And I found one recently that I thought was pretty interesting. You know, I know, Dan, you've been a big, uh, a big Andy Reid fan uh, or a big, uh, I'm sorry, a big Nicole Hardman fan. I was looking at Andy Reid's coaching history, 23 years here, 23 years as a head coach in Philadelphia and Kansas city. And of course he's had some, uh, some big performances from, his quarterbacks, running backs, you know, Brian Westbrook and and so many others. And he's had top wide receivers over the years. Of course, most recently, that's been Tyreek Hill. Tyreek's been a top eight wide receiver in four of the past five years. But then we're always, we always want the Chiefs to get that second wide receiver. We thought it was Andy Reid. We thought it was Miko Hardman. I don't know how I keep getting those two guys confused. <laughs> we thought it was Miko Hardman. We thought it was Sammy Watkins or even... Byron Pringle or, or somebody like that. Andy Reid is has never really had a good wide receiver two fantasy score. In fact, in those 23 seasons, the best wide receiver two, the best second wide fantasy wide receiver on his team was wide receiver 21. That's it. Uh, that was uh, that was way back in 2010. Outside of that, who I believe was Jeremy Macklin, I'd have to go back and double check. Um but outside of that, no other second wideout has been in the top 30 fantasy scores for an Andy Reid coach team. So that alone just kind of makes me think maybe we shouldn't be chasing that. Maybe he likes to focus on those studs in his offense, and we know he has them right now with Kelsey and, and Tyreek. So 
the the ancillary pieces in an Andy Reid offense, maybe not worth chasing even in this Kansas City team. I wish we could highlight, we had the time to highlight more of those things right now. We certainly will be bringing up the uh, coaching history app as, as we progress on this podcast, because it is such a useful tool. There's a tutorial on the website, dynastyleaguefootball.com. Click on tools, head over to coaching history app and just, just spend hours oogling data because it'll help you as a dynasty manager. You down with ADP? Yeah, you know me. Yeah, you know us. We're always down with ADP. We love talking ADP, and we got a few minutes left on the show, so uh, it's becoming a staple, brand new staple of the show for us since we since we went over to the new format. We got to look at ADP almost every single week, and this week it's rookie ADP, the first rookie ADP of the year, Ryan. So we we broke down uh, Traylon Burks in depth. Now we get to talk about how he fits into ADP. We already kind of teased that, I guess. But first, Ryan, how did all these mocks go? You did 10 of them to kick off the year. Is that the plan moving forward? Always try to get as many drafts in as possible? Yeah, we'll do, we'll do 10 rookie mock drafts. We do actually 10 single quarterback and 10 super flex every single month starting in February. We do that until um, May, and typically in May we see – actual rookie drafts uh, kicking off and and uh, taking place. So uh, another option we have on DLF is MFL rookie ADP, which is pulling from actual MFL leagues, not just mock drafts. Uh, we offer both of those really year round. But uh, once the MFL rookie drafts start, we uh, we pull back on the mocks and we rely on on the actual leagues. Yeah, but this gives us so much data so early in the process. We're going to get combine data that'll be infused into this ADP as things move on. Lots of different talking points here, but we'll start just by rattling off the first round of ADP. It started with Traylon Burks, then Brees Hall, wide receiver Garrett Wilson, then running back Isaiah Spiller at number four. Drake London, the wide receiver out of USC, goes number five as wide receiver three, then Jamison Williams. Uh, Kenneth Walker, the third Michigan State running back, was number seven. Then Chris Alave, George Pickens, David Bell, running back Kyron Williams. And then Jahan Dotson is number 12. So that's that's our first uh, first look at ADP. Guys, the biggest takeaway for me when I started looking over this ADP was that we're starting to see some tiers and maybe some tier breaks inside this ADP. Those first three guys, Traylon Burks, Brees Hall, and Garrett Wilson – all those guys went between one and six in all 12 of those, those mocks. So they, they had ADPs between 1.7 for Traylon Burks and 3.6 for Garrett Wilson. Then it dropped to 4.7 at Isaiah Spiller. Spiller, London, and Jamison Williams all went between three and nine in every single mock. So it felt like that created a second tier of three players. Then Walker, Alave, Pickens, and Bell, those guys all went between four and 14 in every single mock and had ADPs between 7.3 and 9.6. After that, things get a little bit shaky. It's a little bit all over the place, but those top 10 guys all had ADPs under 9.6. The number 11 guy down at 13.1. So Matt, I I know that's a lot to digest. Really. There's so many things that we could pull out of this ADP. For me, it's the tiers that are starting to form, I guess. And these will change as we move on. But that was a little bit of a surprise for me. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the the tiers that are breaking down by ADP, like you said, they're they're really useful for it going into your rookie draft and figuring out how you want to maneuver, uh, especially considering, I don't know about you guys, but my rankings so far are quite a bit different. So be able to, being able to leverage those those ADP tiers, how they're breaking down in the community in community drafts, and then comparing them to how you feel about individual players is a great way to leverage your situation uh, when you're maneuvering. Yeah, the tiers. I guess I'm mostly surprised that the tiers were so uh, were so clear um, because after after those top three, um, and maybe Spiller and London kind of separate themselves. So so really, from Jamison Williams down, um, I don't see a ton of separation yet. From so that we're talking about from six, certainly through the rest of the first round, but even uh, some of the guys in in the early part of the second round could be included, and then. Specifically, uh, Jahan Dotson. Uh, I'm surprised he was in, in that uh, in that lowest tier, and uh, surprised he was behind George Pickens. Honestly, oh, yeah, I can't wait to have that conversation. Yeah, we're gonna have some fun conversations about these wide receivers for sure. Uh, Dotson went as high as number nine, as low as number nineteen. Um, some other fun stats coming out of these 10 mocks. Four players went number one overall in at least one mock. Traylon Burks did five times, Garrett Wilson three times, and then Brees Hall went number one overall in one. And then in a big surprise, I would say at least, Malik Willis, Ryan, goes number one in a single quarterback rookie mock. Uh, there there might have been a little confusion there. That's That's why we run... <laughs> That's why we run 10 mock drafts. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, sometimes I wish we could get some some uh, some quotes from some of these picks just to <laughs> just to get a good feel for for what people are thinking. Uh, Malik Willis went as high as number one, as low as number 22. Some other stats from uh, from the mocks. Burks went in the top three in all 10 mocks, number one overall in five. Uh, of course, Garrett Wilson went number number one overall in three, as I mentioned. Uh, seven players went in the top 10 of all 10 mocks. They were Traylon Burks, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, Isaiah Spiller, Drake London, Jamison Williams, and Kenneth Walker, who incidentally make up the top seven of the ADP. 77 players overall were drafted in at least one mock. And running back Kennedy Brooks, guys, he went as high as eight in one mock and went undrafted in the 48 picks of another mock. So, Wow. You know, I, I guess that speaks to maybe the the amount of information that still needs to get to everybody that participates in these drafts. Um, there's a lot of information we need to all take in before we have our real drafts. And this uh, this just points to that, that there's some work to be done. It did, you know, and I participate in all 10 of these rookie mocks, actually all 20, including the super flex mocks. Um, so I just kind of as I go up, I, I feel myself picking up on some trends as well. Uh, Christian Watson was, of course, one of the stars of the Senior Bowl and felt like he got a lot of hype. I was surprised. Uh, routinely saw him falling to the third round. Felt like That won't be, be happening. Next I will month. take that. Yeah, that yeah, felt like he would be more of a mid-second rounder. And, in fact, looking at, at some of the players ahead of him in this ADP, um, Watson is 24 overall, so 2.12. Uh, James Cook ahead of him, Justin Ross, Brian Robinson. Um, those those were all surprises. Matt Corral, the, the QB2, according to our data, ahead of him. I think he, Watson should be bumped at least five or six spots. But really just the depth of the class felt good to me. And and maybe that's because I'm at the point where I'm, I'm starting to pick up on some of the players like Watson, who I was not necessarily 
um, familiar with through through the college season. You know, I think everybody is uh, other than the, the the Debbie diehards are really in this place where we're we're learning about Christian Watson and Sky Moore and um, and Jalen Tolbert, guys kind of in that range. I think all of those players and, and a few others are going to be uh, big time risers. But for now, you know, if you're in one of those drafts that, that drafts before the NFL draft, take advantage of it. Because if, if you're getting Tolbert in round three, I, I think that's a steal. There was so much bad information uh, in the dynasty community a couple of years ago, even last year, even last night, really, that this draft is, <laughs> is poor. It, you know, maybe it doesn't compare to last year's draft, but there are a lot of fun players in this draft class. A lot of guys that that if you want to watch a, a really good wide receiver, you can pick any of these top 10 guys and you can find things to fall in love with. And some of these guys are available in the second round of these drafts and will be even a month or two from now. Well, we, we don't always want to chase draft capital, but when you look at, at these NFL mock drafts from – from some of the big names and not to say, you know, that they know everything or they're always right, but uh, the, the folks at the bigger sites have more connections. Let's, let's say that. Right. And you see guys like Khalil Shakir um, and, and Alec Pierce going on day two, and then they're going undrafted in a four round rookie mock. You should probably start paying attention to those, those kind of guys. Yeah, we got to take notice quickly, guys. Is there is there a guy in these in these forty eight picks of ADP that really sticks out to you, Matt? Somebody that that you can't wait to see him soar up uh, up ADP. I think uh, I was going to go the opposite direction, pick a negative. But okay, I, you can, for a positive. Sure. Okay, for a negative, I'll say Kenneth Walker. I, I just I like to see a running back really like catch fifteen to twenty balls in a in a season to really think that they're gonna be a fantasy asset that I'm gonna be interested in. Kenneth Walker caught nineteen balls total in college. So he's somebody that I will not have any of, especially if he, that middle of the round middle of the first round ADP holds. Feel feels like a little bit of beaning wells with Kenneth Kenneth Walker. <laughs> yeah, sure. A good big yeah, ten nice. running back. Not as but big, I'm, but I'm not, not sure. Big, but... Not quite as big, but uh good yeah. really good big ten running back. A guy I like to watch at Michigan State, but but I have some concerns as well. Looking forward to digging in on him a little bit more. For me, it's Rashad White, um, Arizona State running back. It feels like he could easily be in the top 10 in this ADP, certainly in the top 12. Uh, I would take him over Wandale Robinson. I would take him over Kyron Williams Ooh. for sure. Uh, he's a guy I'm excited about. Also, John Mechie, way down there, tied for 19. I know there's injuries and all that stuff. Like I said, wide receivers, there's a lot of them to get excited about for me. Ryan, you're you're the Wandale Robinson guy. He went number four in one draft. That that wasn't you, was, right? That was not me. <laughs> you know, I did uh, I did kind of make myself stay away from Wandale Robinson. I did not take him in the in the early second of every draft. I, I think I did draft him once or twice among the twenty drafts, and and all of those were in the second round, or both of those were in the second round. So. No, there's there's a big fan of Wandell out there um, who took him at four, but that that was not me. Um, Jalen takeaways for you? Yeah, Jalen yeah, okay. Tolbert is probably my guy. I'm really really excited. Way down there at 26, him. he should be more like uh, 16 at the more worst. Like 16. He's, like, he's like a discount yeah. Drake London, and maybe with yeah. a higher yeah. floor, maybe a higher floor. Yeah, yeah. The 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 measurables are going to be good for Jalen Tolbert, I think, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to to dig into him even more. 
Yeah, we're going to we're going to be digging into all of them through the rookie report coming up in every single week, every single episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. Make sure you're following Ryan on Twitter if you want to get in on next month's rookie drafts and start start making the content that we talk about every single week on the podcast. Follow him at RyanMC23. You should follow Matt at MPrice. Uh, FF, um, follow me at dmyler22 and then get at the podcast as well. Uh, DLF podcast at DLF podcast for the question of the week. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast.